now, though, let's go ahead and take your Bibles. Go to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians. Now, I've got a really long message this morning, uh, but I'm going to try not to make it long. Okay, so uh, but uh, I'm going to try to preach the whole book of Colossians and one message. Okay, so uh, boy, you all better listen good. Uh, That way I can go quick and. We'll get this done in plenty of time to make sure we beat the Methodist to the chicken house. And we, so, Colossians chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. I'm not even turned there yet. Good way to help, too. You know, I said, listen quick. And, boy, even if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, if you look like you do, then I'll, I'll be able to just keep on going. And if you really get confused and lost, if you say an amen or something, then I'll think, well, they really must be getting it. I'll go even faster. So uh, don't, don't hesitate to do that if you feel led. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things... He might have the preeminence. That's where we get our text from today. That last part there. In all things, He might have the preeminence. For for it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We'll stop reading right there. And This morning, I want to talk about a subject that really, uh, I think it's pretty... Simple. Uh, it's pretty elementary. It should be common sense, but if we're not careful, we will forget this in our practice. I think we'll, we know the answer. This is one of these things we know the answers for it. I'm going to ask a few questions here. And we all know the answers. We easily can verbally communicate these things, but we don't always live the answer. And we definitely want to make sure that we keep this focus of the preeminence of Christ. That word preeminence, it basically means to be first in rank or influence. To have the preeminence. Jesus Christ, He is the main one. He outranks any of us. He outranks anybody. He outranks the pastor. He outranks the Pope. Uh, he's the big religious leader uh, you know, out there. Uh, we're not under Him, but Jesus outranks Him. He outranks them all. Okay, and there's several reasons why. And I'm, I'm going to ask you just a few questions. Don't be afraid to answer these questions. I mean, if you answer them quick, then I'll, I'll know. Okay, y'all are on the ball. But simply, who is God? Don't be afraid. It's a pretty easy answer. Who, but who, what's His name? Jehovah. Jehovah? More specific. Uh, he's got a bunch of names. But I'm looking for a real common one, a real simple one. It's because... No, here, I'll show you what it is. In verse, those are all definitely names of God. But the one I'm looking for, like I said, I'm, probably, I'm making it sound a little complicated. You're going to find out it's pretty, it's pretty simple what I'm looking for. In verse 15, 
It says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, we can't see, you know, when God came to earth, okay, God couldn't come in all of his glory. He came in human form. And who was that form? It was Jesus Christ. I believe that when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we are going to stand before the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, He is also the I Am. Do you remember in the, uh, when He was on earth and he was, uh, re- he was reading one of the Scriptures to Him and He basically, I, I, can't, I didn't write it down, I can't quote it exactly right, but He kind of referred to Himself as I Am. And when he did, the Jews, they got angry and they were ready to stone him. They're thinking, blasphemy. Because he called himself God. But Jesus Christ was God. He was I Am. He was Jehovah. And my dad at their church one time, they put it on their sign. Jesus is Jehovah. That is absolutely accurate. That is scripturally accurate. And uh, he had some Jehovah's Witnesses call the church to correct him. And to let him know that, hey, that's not right. Jesus is not Jehovah. And my dad said, um, I'm sorry, but Jesus is Jehovah. And he gave, and I remember uh, I got one of the calls. And I got to witness to a lady for a long time who uh, was a new convert to the Jehovah's Witnesses. It was really sad because, boy, she was really had questions, was really looking. And I you know, said, will we be able to come by and visit with you? And, and she's like, well, my husband's already pretty upset about the Jehovah's Witnesses coming by. If the Baptists come by too, he's probably going to tell me to just forget religion altogether. And she, she wouldn't let us come by and visit. And uh, I don't believe she ever came to the church unless she did and didn't know who she was. But, but Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is God. Therefore, I think it's okay to say He should have the preeminence. Who created everything? Go ahead and say it. Jesus. Okay, I know it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth in Genesis 1 1, but we see here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth. Jesus is the creator, also. And also, who died for our sins? Jesus Christ, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So who is the head of the church. Who is the head honcho? I mean, the main man, the one on top. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Verse 18, and He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. So, with all these things, if He's God, if He's the Creator, I mean, everything that's here is because of Him. He's the one who died for our sins. He's the head of the church, the one in charge, then, who do you think should be the focal point around here? Well, Jesus Christ. And I know that what I'm saying here sounds so simple and it sounds so elementary, but you know what we're going to see here that we see in Colossians that even though these things are pretty simple and we all know them and we know the right answers, we don't always practice it. And we clearly, what can happen in any church, it happens all over, it can happen at this church, is many times Jesus Christ, He ends up way down the list on priorities. When it comes to the focal point, He can sometimes be completely ignored and forgotten. We see in Revelation where He talked to the church in Laodicea, He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in him and sup with him. The Lord, He's not just going to kick His way in here. We have to invite Him 
in here. We've got to make Him the focal point. And if we're not careful, we're going to get off and we're going to let other things take the preeminence over Christ in the church. And one of the, and just a couple things that often take the preeminence over Jesus Christ, we see in chapter 2 of Colossians verse 8, says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Well, we, one of the things, if we're not careful, what can happen is we will allow man's ideas and man's traditions to take priority over Jesus Christ. For example, there are, there are many religions and many churches that have different practices and things and rituals that maybe aren't even necessarily bad. But they will let those things... Uh, you know they'll take priority over Jesus Christ. Sometimes we'll let people take the priority over Jesus Christ. Sometimes the focal point of the church, we're not careful. It might be the pastor. It might be the one preaching the message instead of who the pastor is preaching about. And sometimes it might be on the singers and on the music. And you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with the church having a good program, a good music program, and good uh, events and activities. But those things cannot be the focal point. Okay, it's okay for churches to have fellowships and to have activities and to do fun stuff. But the whole idea of us doing these things, it's all supposed to be centered around Jesus Christ. That's the main reason we're here. I mean, there's people out there that will only come to church when the fun stuff is going on. But the truth is, if our focal point is Jesus Christ, we're going to come whether there's a good time or not. We're going to come whether there's going to be food or not. We're going to come whether there's going to be the fun things or not. We don't need those things because our focal point is Jesus Christ. And if we do some of that other stuff, that's just bonus. That's great. But we've got to make sure the focal point's always on Jesus Christ. Sometimes in the singing, okay? Nothing wrong with I mean, singing's great. We want to do that. Special music. Love to have special music. But sometimes the focal point becomes the singers and their performance instead of who they're singing about. And you know, in some churches, it's gotten to the point where it's become so much about what man enjoys that literally... I mean, there will be singing going on in the church where Jesus' name is not even mentioned. Where God is not even mentioned. There's preaching, so-called preaching that goes on in church where the preacher won't even open up a Bible anywhere in the message. And that's happening all over the place, becoming more and more common. Jesus' name will not even be mentioned in some church services. There's groups out there in religions that are one of these faith-friendly churches that where all the faiths can come together and all worship. And you can't mention Jesus at those too much because, well, what if somebody there is a Muslim person? And we can't offend any of that. Listen, I'd love it if we had some Muslims come visit our church. But you know what? We're going to talk about Jesus. I would love it if we had some Jewish people come and visit our church. But you know what? We're going to talk about Jesus. And if there was Jehovah's Witnesses here, we're still going to talk about Jesus being God. And we're not going to change it because He is the focal point. Not people. We don't want to offend anybody. Well, no, we don't want to offend people. But we're not going to be disobedient to Christ. He's the head. He's the focal point. And if it upsets people, if it rubs them the wrong way, well then, I'm sorry, that's just too bad. 
He is the one that we want to please. Not man, but man's ideas sometimes take preeminence over Jesus Christ. Sometimes even religious practices take preeminence over Jesus Christ. Verse 11 of chapter 2 says, "...in whom also ye are the circumcision with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. This is talking about that Old Testament law. Boy, that was... That, that Old Testament law, it, does, it works against our flesh. It works against us. It's hard for us to do, but Jesus Christ, He took that, says He nailed it to His cross, and not just the commands against the sins and things, but this is talking even about the practices and the rituals and the things that they did, just the religious practices. Those things were only a picture of something that was to come. And sometimes, one thing that's very, uh, that's very common is we will take some of those practices and things that we have and make them take priority over Jesus Christ. For example, baptism. Okay, Now, we're 100% for baptism here. Baptism is absolutely biblical. It's something that God, that God commands. But baptism, in that dunk tank right there, in that tank, baptismal, baptistry, that is just a picture of what happened. When a person gets saved... The Bible says to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to get saved. You have to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Well, that doesn't come from water. That comes through salvation. When the Holy, when you get saved and the Holy Spirit dwells you, you've been spiritually baptized. You have to be spiritually baptized to be saved. But the physical baptism, that's a picture of what happened to you. That's an ordinance that God gave to the church. It's very good. But at the same time, Baptism is supposed to point us to Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's the way it's a way that we focus on him. It's not what saves us, but sometimes people will say, No, you have to be baptized in there to go to heaven. Well, when we do that, you know what we're doing? We're taking the focal point off Jesus Christ. We're taking the we're taking the focal point off what really saves you. We're letting that take the preeminence over Jesus Christ. And we can dunk you in there till you drowned. And that's not going to save you. It's belief in Jesus Christ that saves you. But religious practices, sometimes they type, they'll take priority. Even things, there's things that are mentioned here, a lot of the Old Testament practices. There's people out there that believe in Christ, but they want to still practice the Old Testament laws. A lot of the ceremonial laws. And they want to practice the Old Testament feast. And many of those Old Testament practices, they were just a picture of future events that were completed by Jesus Christ. Jesus, He didn't do away with the Old Testament. He fulfilled that Old Testament law. And for us to say, hey, let's go back and do some of those things, they, it really it makes no sense. In fact, I, can go, I, I would go as far as say that it's even wicked to do those things. For us to sacrifice a lamb which was okay in the Old Testament time, now for us to do that, we'd be saying Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. And that would be wicked to do that kind of thing. I mean, for us to go and practice those Old Testament customs and religious practices, 
really what that would be like is us going back to drinking from a baby bottle as adults. You know, there's nothing wrong with a baby drinking from a baby bottle. That's what they have to learn. They eventually go on and start drinking from a sippy cup and then a cup that doesn't even have to have a lid on it. I mean, we, we grow, we progress. Well, now as Christians, we don't have to do those things anymore. We don't have to sacrifice lambs anymore. That was, that was before Jesus Christ came. That's been completed. We don't, we've moved on to the next thing. We're in the New Testament age now. But people sometimes, boy, they get caught up in those things. Right now, I believe we're in the Lent season now. And people, they get real big on not eating, eating meat on Fridays. Okay, now is it a sin not to eat meat on Fridays? No. That's not a sin not to eat meat on Fridays. However, when, you, when that becomes a big focal point, and for one, it was not commanded in the Bible, it's not a biblical thing, and many of the things that, the whole point of Lent, okay? Does anybody know what happens the day before Lent? What do they call that day? The day before Ash Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Fat Tuesday. What are you supposed to do on Fat Tuesday? Alright? Well, you're supposed to go get all your sin out of the way. Because, and then, for 40 days, you know, you don't eat meat or whatever, and you're atoning for all those sins. That's wicked. Jesus Christ paid for our sins on the cross. And you, if you think that not eating meat is paying for some kind of sin, that's wicked. That is totally taking the preeminence over Jesus Christ. He paid for your sins. And for you to think that you can just go and do some sin and that you can go make up for it, that is, that's flat out wrong. And that in itself is wicked. Jesus Christ had to pay for your sins on the cross. And you don't go sin on purpose and, then try and do something like that to make up for it. That is not how it works. And those kind of things will take... People are focused on that. More on that than on Jesus Christ. And that is wrong. That's what we that's man-made discipline that's not commanded by God. These kind of practices, they get people looking at the man and not God. If we're not careful sometimes, our religious practices and things we do, they can cause people to look at us and not God. And uh, for example, you know, if you know if we do some kind of weird dietary law. Okay, that God did not command. That's just going to get people looking at us. That's not necessarily going to get them looking at God. But now, there are some things that we do, that we teach, that do people, get people looking at us. You know, these days, if you dress a certain way, people are going to stare at you. If you act a certain way, people are going to look at you funny. However, these are things that God commanded us to do in the New Testament. Okay, there are some, Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Okay, if people get to looking at us funny because we're doing what we were commanded to do, that's glorifying God. But if people get to looking at us funny because we've made up some goofy things, that doesn't glorify God. That just points to us. And we're not going to do that. Listen, we want to get people's attention. We want to let them know that we're Christians, but I'm not going to invent some Baptist hat that we all have to wear every time we go out in public. All right? And we're not going to do that. That way everybody, well, that's so they all know who we are. So they all know we're His disciples. No, God didn't command us to do that. And therefore, that would just be pointing people to us. But if it is something that makes people look at us funny, 
that God commanded, then that's just going to glorify God. But those things, those practices should never take the preeminence over Christ. Some churches, they're so concerned about getting people to look a certain way and get that outside appearance all just right and everything perfect and do not care one bit about the inside and it's just all a show and it's all getting people looking at people. And well, everything that we do ought to be with the goal of getting people looking at Christ. Because He's the one that needs to have the preeminence. He's the one that we're focused on. So, how do we display Christ's preeminence? Because I can tell you right now, how do we show that Jesus Christ is the focal point? I can tell you right now, it's not about bringing worldly, fleshly practices that are meant to make sinful man feel comfortable and call it worship. That's happening all over the place where oh, we want Jesus Christ to be the focus, but they go and they do... Listen, when it comes to Jesus Christ, there's going to be things that make people feel uncomfortable. When you tell people they're a sinner, it says it right there in the Bible, that makes some people uncomfortable. When you talk about repentance, that makes some people uncomfortable. When you talk about hell, that makes some people uncomfortable. And eternal punishment, that makes them uncomfortable. But we have been commanded to do that and throwing those things out that we've been commanded to do and bringing in faith-friendly preaching and bringing in you know different cultural music that a lot of it is flat out wicked bringing in rock music so we can attract the younger crowd and make them feel better and make that is not what we've been commanded to do. That is not making Christ the preeminent one. You know what that's doing? That's making man the preeminent one. This is what people like. Our church is one that, that people can feel comfortable, that people like. We're like the Willow Creek Church. You know, we're going to go and we're going to go door to door and we are going to do surveys to find out what people like and what they don't like about church. We're going to be a people-friendly church. You don't, you don't like when people dress up to church? Alright, well, we won't dress up to church. You don't like when they do that old conservative music that your grandma listened to? Alright, we'll bring in some of that stuff, that, you're, that, that rock music that your kids like listening to. You don't, you don't like that you know, old English Bible that they use? Alright, we'll, we'll get you one that's a little more updated in the language. In fact, you know what? We'll even get one that's gender neutral, that says women just as much as men. And you know, we got a lot. You know, we, we can even get it. They've got them. We can even get, I forgot what it's called exactly, but it's kind of like an Ebonics Bible, pretty much. I read a little bit of that one time and I felt like I was blaspheming God just reading it. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. You know what? That's putting the focus on people. Now listen, I love all you folks here. I want you to enjoy service. I want you to be comfortable and everything. But the focus has to be Jesus Christ and what He has commanded us to do in His Word. And if... If you don't like it, boy, I sure hope you don't go anywhere. I'd hate to see that. But boy, if it comes between picking you and picking Christ, we're supposed to pick Christ every time. He is the preeminent one. He ranks number one. He's, he, he's number one in rank. He's number one in influence. People can be influential in the church. They can. They can, they can put pressure on you. They can put pressure on the pastor. But his influence ought to outdo everyone else's influence. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So how do we show this? That Jesus Christ is a preeminence. How do we display this in our life? Well, we see it in Colossians 3. It says, if ye, in verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your uh, life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Now listen to this next verse. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, and the fornication, evil uh, concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. And he talks about basically these sins of the flesh. He says, mortify your members. We have got to practice personal purity in our lives. Personal purity. We're gonna we're gonna keep that junk out of our life. I know your flesh likes it. I know there's things, there's sins out there that you enjoy doing that bring your sinful flesh pleasure. But when Christ is the preeminent one, when He ranks number one in influence, say, I know that I like this, but Jesus doesn't. And He outranks me, therefore I'm going to get rid of this. I know the people in our church, they might like this, but Jesus Christ clearly in His Word states that He doesn't like it. Therefore, we are not going to have that in personal purity. In your own personal life, you need to do that. I know there's things, your flesh likes it, but if it's commanded in the Scriptures not to do it, if it's clear that the Lord Jesus Christ does not like it, there's things that the Bible says the Lord hates. There's things we see in the Bible that the Lord abominates. That literally, they make him sick. And those very things are being practiced in churches today because the focus is on the people and not on Jesus Christ. And we've got to show that Christ is preeminent in our personal purity. I'm going to keep that out of my life. Why would you not do that? Why, wouldn't you, why don't you enjoy that pleasure? You know, why don't you come drinking with us at the bar? Man, we're gonna, we'd have a lot of fun. Well, yes, we would have a lot of fun. But you know what? Our Lord said... Be not drunk with wine where is excess. He said, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raising, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. He go on and quote those verses. He said not to do those things, and while you may be right, while I may enjoy it, the Lord wouldn't enjoy if I did that. The Holy Spirit that dwells in me would not enjoy if I did that. Therefore, I'm not going to do that. Listen, there's been times I would have enjoyed immensely punching somebody in the nose. Okay, but we know you should. Would the Lord have enjoyed me doing that? Absolutely not. And you know what? Most of the time we don't do it because it's not that the Lord wouldn't enjoy it; it's that the police uh, wouldn't enjoy it. You know, and uh, we, we don't want we don't want that to happen. But I would have enjoyed it. My flesh would have. But we got to mortify our members. Hey, I know, I know. I'd rather sleep in than go to church today. My flesh would enjoy that, but the Lord would not enjoy that. Jesus Christ would not be pleased with that. Therefore. Forget what I want. Forget what my lazy, stinking flesh wants. I'm going to do what God's commanded me to do. I'd rather watch television. My flesh would enjoy watching television over reading my Bible. But what the Lord wants is the priority. So personal purity, also Christian fellowship. Verse 12 of chapter 3, we see put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And it goes on through verse 17 just talking about our relationship with each other. Christian fellowship. This is something 
that pleases God. We, I'm not going to preach last week's message again, but we talked about it last week. That fellowshipping and that loving the brethren, that is something that God is pleased with. That is something that the world sees and by that they know that we are His disciples. And you know what? Sometimes our flesh, we might like hanging on other people. You know, maybe the people at the ball game this afternoon, they might be a little more exciting, a little more fun. You know, people at ball games, they shout a lot more than they do at church. People get people get more excited about going to ball games than they do at church. Now they're a lot more fun. You know, people at a ball game they'll go get there real early and wait in line for a long time to get in there. And they get in. I'm not saying y'all got to come in here and cheer everything. I'm saying go crazy and wait in line. But at the same time, we ought to want to be around God's people more than others. And yet, your flesh it might enjoy the fun crowd a little more, but where Jesus Christ is the focal point. He's the preeminent one. In Christian fellowship, we show that He is the preeminent one in that. Also, in your home. Okay, not just in the outside. In your home. Verse 18. In Colossians 3, it says, Husband, or it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. He go, he's ta- talking about in the home. In your homes, it ought to be clear that Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. That, you know, some homes, I mean, you, it's clear you go walk in there and the lust of the flesh, it's clear, is. The controller of that house, all over the place. You can see it by the filthy entertainment that's all over the place. You might even see it just by the lack of discipline that's in the house. Just the the condition of the home. You'll see it in the behavior of the of the husband and the wife and the way they treat each other and the way and the children, the way they're disrespectful to the parents. Listen, the Bible says, Children obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. The Bible says, also children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Okay, now, kids, they, you know, they love God too. They don't want to displease the Lord. But when they, displease, but when they disobey their parents, you, who are the kids usually thinking about? They're thinking about themselves. I don't want to do this. Therefore, I am going to disobey. But if the if Christ is preeminent in their life, then when their parent commands them something that they don't want to do, they're going to say, I don't want to do this, but I really want to please Christ over pleasing myself, and they'll obey the parents. And same things, you know, same things for husbands and wives. There's going to be times when, hey, you're going to want to go at it with each other and Things might not not be the best, but you know what? The Lord has told us how to treat each other. The Lord has told the husbands how to treat their wives and the wives how to treat their husbands. And there will be many days when your flesh does not feel like it. But if Christ is the preeminent one, then you're going to find yourself saying every once in a while, you know, I think I'll just let this one go. I think I'll just maybe... Take a loss in this one because I want to please the Lord. He is the preeminent one in my home. He is the focal point of my home. And here's a great thing with Christ. You know, when you make him the focal point, it straightens everything else out. It's like, well, you know, my wife's my priority over the, over the Lord. Well, your wife might feel good hearing you say that, but if you when you get your priorities out of line, it's not going to make her any happier. You make Christ a priority, 
that will take care of itself. Because did you know one of the ways we please the Lord is by loving our wives and by taking care of our wives. When I focus on my wife, when I do good to my wife, I'm pleasing the Lord. Well, I, you know, my kids are more important than God is. Well, that sounds like a real loving parent. But the truth is, when you're obeying God, you're taking care of your kids. You're loving your kids. You're doing right by your kids. And people, they think they can bypass God. They think they, can, they don't need God. They don't need Christ. They can get around that. And that is a horrible disservice that you're doing to your family. And the focal point is, if your focal point is your family over Christ, you're, you're going to get it all out of whack. It's going to be all messed up. Jesus Christ needs to have the preeminence. And you know what? Jesus Christ is never going to tell you to neglect your family and let them suffer. But He's got to be the focal point. Not just in word, indeed. But not just in the home, even in your daily work, on your job. He needs to be the preeminent one. We see in verse 22 of chapter 3, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Why do most people obey their bosses? Well, it's because they don't want to get fired. Okay, well, if... Your focus is on your boss being the preeminent one, then you're just going to try to please him. Well, the nice thing about if that's your focal point, well, you only need to please him when he's looking. If he's not looking, well, then you're okay. That's called you know eye service as men pleasers. But it says to obey in singleness of heart, in singleness of heart, fearing God. You know what that means? If at my job, Christ is supposed to be the preeminent one. That means I've got to behave and I've got to do right, not just when my boss is looking, but when he's not looking. Not because I fear him. Hey, I know where he's at. You know, at, at where I work, sometimes you know they've got the AP people that come around and watch for safety things and stuff. And usually when they come into the area, everybody starts warning, hey, AP's here, AP's here. So everybody knows to behave themselves and to follow all the rules. And you know, that's eye services, men pleasers. Because we fear getting written up. But when Christ is the preeminent one, we can know for a fact that they are on the other side of the building and it doesn't matter because I fear God. And I've been there before. And I was like, you know, I hate these stupid rules. You know, they throw new rules on us all the time. This is stupid. I like to just throw this one out the window. But every time I do, I think, if I do, I'm going to fall and break my neck here, here at work. You know what? Because I fear God. I fear God. And that's got to be the fo- He's got to be the focal point. And when it comes to doing a job, don't just do the bare minimum. I mean, do the best you can. Do it. I mean, if you're, if you're building a house, build it like you would if it was the Lord that was going to live there. Whatever it is, if you're fixing somebody's car, fix it like if Jesus Himself came and asked you to fix His car, do just as good of a job because you fear the Lord. That's Christ being the preeminent one. So in our daily work, also in our Christian witness, when it comes to witnessing, in chapter 4, verse 2, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Paul, he was in prison for preaching the gospel of Christ. He was often persecuted and beaten for for preaching the gospel of Christ. But because Christ was the preeminent one, he knew that that was the job that he had to do. And it didn't matter what happened 
to him physically. It didn't matter what happened to his flesh. That's why he didn't quit after he was beaten with rods. That's why he didn't quit after he was beat with whips. And after he was stoned, he just kept going because while I guarantee you, he didn't enjoy that pain. And I guarantee you, he had scars probably all over his body that he had to look at all the time. But he knew that Jesus Christ was the preeminent one. And his command to go and get the Gospel out, it overshadowed everything that he went through. And so he kept doing it. Why? Because Christ was the preeminent one. In our, in our witness, that's got to be full point. In, in our Christian service, we're not going to take time to read all, but if you read uh, verse 7-18 through of chapter 4, we see some examples of that. When it comes to serving God, okay, He comes first. He is the priority. We serve God by serving one another. But we, and the Bible talks about not showing favoritism with people. We had that comic in the church bulletin last week about favoritism in the church. That happens a lot of times. You know why? Because people get focused on people. When we're focused on Christ, if we have a visitor come in, it doesn't matter. If they're a millionaire or it doesn't matter, make a difference if they are dirt poor. When Christ is the preeminent one, it doesn't matter who we serve. Because we're not focused on the person first. We're focused on Jesus Christ. He's the preeminent one. And I know all these things, they sound... It's elementary stuff. Jesus Christ. There's not a church here in town that wouldn't say, yeah, Jesus Christ, He's the focal point of the church. We all know that. But do we practice it? Do we show it in our lives? You know, the truth is, if you were to be real honest with yourself, I think you could find out who the preeminent one is in your life if you just simply went back last week and maybe just drew out, a, wrote out what you did all week. You can kind of find out who your focal point is. You know, how much time did I spend pleasing myself? How much time did I spend pleasing others? How much time did I spend pleasing God? That might be a good thing to do this week, you know? Make a schedule of everything you do. And then ask yourself, who is most of my time spent serving and pleasing? And many times we'll find out that Jesus Christ is way down on the list. And boy, don't ever do that in your life. And we don't want to do that as a church. He needs to be the preeminent one. He ranks number one in influence. So we want to make sure we practice that in our lives. So let's all stand together.